Welcome to the Reform Prayer Call. My name is Kim Moore, and I want to personally thank you so much for joining us, Amy, and all of those that pray uh, for the call beforehand. We appreciate you. Um, It really just does make a difference when we lead with prayer. So I appreciate you so much. And that's one of the reasons we do this call is because we believe that God is divinely resetting marriages. And because we believe that and have received a sound from heaven, it's our responsibility as co-laborers with God to sow that word into the earth so that marriages can can flourish, take part of that word, flourish, and reflect the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so we just thank you so much. If this is your first time or your 50th time, uh, you know, we just appreciate your time. You could be anywhere. There's so much. There's a deluge of information. Um, I heard the term on Facebook, you got to disrupt the scroll or interrupt the scroll, meaning there's so much coming at us all the time, uh, distinguishing what's needful, distinguishing what's for you, what God has for you. We're constantly filtering and, and doing those things, and so that you guys have chosen to be with us tonight and make one of these, this call, one of the things that God has interrupted your scroll. We so much appreciate it and thank God for you. We've been on here since July 1st, 2020. It's almost two years that we've been talking and praying about kingdom marriage. You know, and unlike religious marriage, kingdom marriages focus on truths and concepts that apply to husbands and wives equally. Uh, and, and, and so we just believe that there, God has expectations of every kingdom citizen, whether they're male or female. And that all who receive Jesus Christ, you know, enter into this kingdom and have the responsibility, the rights, and the privileges to conduct themselves as kingdom citizens in the earth, as co-laborers with Christ and joint heirs uh, with him. And so we just thank you, and we want to release people into their kingdom citizenship because we believe that as fully functioning kingdom citizens, you will become the best husband or wife you could be for the person that you're married to. And so we are committed to your freedom. We're committed to you experiencing power in your relationships and experiencing more love in your relationships. And so we believe that is happening. And so we are excited about it. You know, during the past two years or almost two years, um, some of the things we've learned and experienced are this. One, over half the people on the call are either not married, divorced, widowed, uh, or want to be married. And so for us, this just affirms that the truths we're teaching transcend husbands and wives Uh, and and males and females, but they're applicable to all. And so people are using the truths and the things that we're teaching here in many different relationships Uh, and uh, parents at work, at church, and are receiving the same freedom, the same power, and the same love. And so we just thank God for confirming the fact that the kingdom uh, trumps 
every other relationship. It trumps every other uh, variable that we could throw out, whether it's gender, whether it's race, whether it's roles, whether it's position. It just trumps. There is a character and integrity that is becoming of all kingdom citizens, and the Holy Spirit is committed to bringing that about in our lives. And we're also finding that those that are married or have been married a long time that are on the call uh, deal with the same argument on a different day, or they've just stopped arguing and have just accepted that this is just the way things are. And so, you know, they just, they're, they're here, though, because they believe that there's something better. They believe that there's more to it than what they're experiencing uh, in their particular marriage. Um, And so most of us, all of us, married or unmarried on this call, we want more out of the relationships that matter most. We want to experience more freedom. We want to experience more power. And we want to experience more of the love of God in those relationships. And I can tell you, based on what we've learned and and what we've experienced, uh, is the reason that we're starting relationship game changers. And, And that's because what we're teaching transcends marriage. And it's about owning who you are, showing up, and influencing the changes you want to see. And so we take people through a process, um, and it's actually a membership opportunity for those that are serious about change or bring serious energy to it and want to engage the process. So stay tuned. Uh, We are going to be talking more about that in the weeks to come. I can tell you briefly what we offer, what this, what, Uh, Relationship Game Changers will offer you in your membership is basically a success path to changing any relationship you are involved for the better. And uh, I caution when I use the word better because it doesn't mean that uh, things will necessarily turn out our definition of better, but they will turn out God's definition of better. And when we can see and distinguish what his better is, Uh, we can rejoice in the changes that take place as a result of our participation. You know, we'll all be offering and and learning and doing challenges that support you and inspire you to take action because learning without action is not learning. You can tell me you can drive a car all day long. A, A teenager can tell me they can drive a car all day long. But until they are driving the car, we really don't know until they go through the driving test, till they read the book, till they take the test, until they take action, we don't know. And we don't know what God is doing in us until we take action. So taking action is an integral part of growing and changing and relationship game changers. For those of you that want to be relationship game changers, uh, we combine learning with action steps so that it becomes very practical, very rubber meet the road. Then we'll also have a private Facebook group that you can interact with other relationship game changers. Uh, And then uh, we'll be doing Facebook interviews with real life people, real people who are doing real life game changing in their relationships and are telling us about it. Uh, And then we'll also be doing um, Uh, You'll have access to my blog and just some other VIP stuff. So we'll be getting the founding membership soon. Stay tuned. I want to keep that before you uh, because we are getting ready to experience uh, uh, with Pentecost upon us 
I'm telling you what, it's time to change the game in some relationships. Not that relationships are a game, but the word game we use as an adjective as to mean, are you ready? Have you been ready? Are you ready to enter uh, and take uh, to take dominion in the situations that you're in. Not take control of people, but can take control of the situations that God has you in. And so with that said, I want to jump into not to tonight. If this is your first time, what we do, brief announcement. Oh, i got to tell you all, Amy probably mentioned it earlier, but let me mention it again. We were in Tennessee, some of us on the ground and some of us by Zoom, and I'm telling you, the feedback was tremendous. Each person that I talked to or text with said, and even when we got off the Zoom call, people were talking about how they felt the spirit of unity between those on the ground and those on the Zoom call. And I tell you what, it was, it, I mean, it literally was amazing. We didn't lose anything in the translation between technology and those on the ground. Just such a powerful experience. Um, the other good part about it, it lowers our cost because we don't need 100 people in a particular place. We just need one, two, or a few people in a state that will give us access to that state by standing on the Capitol or State House steps, and then others of us will join you by Zoom, and we will go through the, the, the agenda. And I tell you, we were in and out, and I t- it took us about 45 minutes, 50 minutes, uh, and different ones prayed. It was just an amazing experience, and we are headed to Maryland, Washington, and D.C. coming up in June. So stay tuned if you want to be part if you're in those areas, please email me at Kim at moreonrelationships.com. We need your help if you're on the ground. Um, and then also, if you're not on the ground but you want to be with us by Zoom, uh, we will give you the day and time. Stay tuned. Let me know so we can send you the meeting information so you'll be able to hop on with ease. So, yeah, you guys got to get involved. Stuff is happening. Lives are being changed. People are getting free. And I want you to be free. I want you to feel powerful in the relationships that matter to you most. So I think I got all of the announcements. So I want to let's pray, and then I want to talk about what I want to talk about tonight, and I'll tell you in a second what that, what that is. Well, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we call you Daddy tonight. Daddy, we invite you here as children. As children, we come to you, God, as sons and daughters in humanity and yet sons in the spirit, Father. We come to you as children, and you said, Behold what manner of love that you have for us, that you would call us your children. So, Father God, even as you teach me to call you Daddy, we call upon you tonight, Daddy, and we say have your way in our hearts. Work your will from the inside out. Circumcise us to yourself, that we would hereafter know no man according to the flesh, but according to your spirit. For we are the circumcision tonight, and we worship you in spirit and in truth. 
And so we say, Daddy, have your way tonight. Birth in this people all that's in your heart. And we bless you and we thank you. And we call them relationship game changers, God. Because through them, you are changing the relationships that they impact. We thank you, Father God, for giving us a success path and just the support that we could become the people you would have us to be in our marriages and in every other relationship. Now, bless your word tonight, God. Bless your word tonight, God. And, Lord, we thank you that you would confirm it with signs and wonders, that you would confirm it out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, And that your word, Daddy, would not go out void, but it would accomplish what you set it out to accomplish and into the hearts that you send it, either those here live with us now and those that hear by replay. Perform your will as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I don't really have a title, but I... If I if I want if I had a title for for tonight, it would probably be, "You don't need to repent to get a miracle." Repentance is not a prerequisite for a miracle. So that's what I want to tell you, and that that's good news. And I'll tell you why. But let me let me just go back and rewind and tell you how I get there through Scripture. First of all, a couple things. One, relationships struggle because individual struggles. Relationship struggles are individual struggles. That is, your relationship doesn't have a struggle. The people in it have a struggle. And that struggle becomes manifested in the relationship. And when both people or two or more people have a struggle in the relationship, it becomes more complex when both of those struggles are manifesting at the same time. It's called an ordeal, and that's what I talked about, I believe, maybe a couple weeks ago, the ideal, the ordeal, and the real deal. Relationship struggles are individual struggles, and they occur in the ordeal phase of the relationship. So whatever you struggle with individually will necessarily adversely impact your relationship at some point. Relationship struggles are individual struggles. Let me say it another way. You can thank your individual struggle for your relationship problems. You can thank your partners or your spouses' individual struggles for your relationship problems. Relationships don't have problems in and of themselves. Relationships have problems because the people in them have problems. Marriage is perfect. It does what it's designed to do every single time. It blesses, then it breaks the husband and wife down, and then it distributes the husband and wife back to each other. We see this principle illustrated every time Jesus took bread, broke it, and distributed it. And then he made the stunning statement which says, I am the bread. Husband and wife, you are the bread that is being blessed, broken, and distributed or redistributed to your spouse. And the reason why I say redistributed, because when we first get married, 
we do a whole lot of distributing of ourselves. We know what is best, we know what our spouse needs, and we just proceed to give it any which way. You know, I, I think of the, the wife that, uh, who's trying to help her husband get organized, so she buys him a daytimer. Well, when daytimers were a big deal, and she bought him the latest technology, all in effort to help him get organized, but he never made the change in his heart, so all of the external paraphernalia was useless because there was not a heart of receptivity, but yet she was using all the things that worked for her to try to give to him, and they weren't received very well. And most of us have a story like that. We've tried to feed our, our spouse a whole loaf of bread. We are choking them. They can only eat a piece at a time. So what God does takes you, blesses you, then breaks you down in pieces so that you become edible and desirable to your spouse. So I think about the wife who runs up credit cards before she got married. She's likely to do the same when she gets married. If her struggle is running up credit cards, then that struggle goes with her into the marriage. And at some point, it's going to cause a problem in marriage because there's going to be more credit card debt than there is the ability to pay it. And anybody who's had that experience knows exactly what I'm saying is right. Or the husband who was hooked on pornography, he will bring it into the marriage. It doesn't it could be a wife, but in this example, a husband. But if a husband or wife is hooked on pornography, it's coming into the marriage. And at some point, inevitably, inevitably, it is going to adversely impact the marriage. Because both running up the credit cards and pornography are individual problems that now the relationship gets the unfortunate benefit of having to experience. So relationship problems are individual problems. And most of the challenge, and one of the reasons I love to work with husbands and wives individually is because a lot of times when you work with the relationship, it's presented as a relationship problem when the problem isn't relationship with each other. The problem is a relationship with God and with self. And when that gets in alignment, then the relationship has the best chance to resolve the problem. Or the, let's say it another way, the, relation, the, the problem in the relationship gets resolved. So when we address, and that's the whole point behind relationship game changers, you've got to own, you've got to possess your life. You've got to own your thoughts, your feelings, your attitudes, the things you're hiding, your behavior, because you can't show up unless you're owning those things. And so when we think about it, whatever we struggle with individually, um, your relationship will struggle with collectively. That's why blame is a luxury, because blame defers your responsibility, taking responsibility for your personal struggle. If you go into a marriage, if you're a very distrustful person, then you go into marriage, you will begin to suspect your spouse of things. Does it mean that your spouse has a problem being trustworthy? Well, maybe, but you won't know that until you deal with your distrustful 
suspicious nature that you brought into the marriage. You can't even see clearly because you'll need to take that beam out of your own eyes to be able to see the speck in what's happening in your spouse's eyes. So let me say this. There is sin, and then there is your struggle. They are not the same. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're sinning. Sin is, the, is one outcome of a struggle. There are people that struggle with, um, with gambling. They struggle with the temptation to gamble. But they don't continue to gamble. They stay away. They structure their lives so as not to fulfill that particular temptation or answer it. So the temptation is not a sin. It's how you answer it, whether it is sin or not. A struggle is a challenge we have that has opportunities for us to overcome. A struggle is a challenge we have that also has opportunities for us to overcome. Let me give you a real example. A few years ago, I was invited to go to Peru uh, to minister. And um, I remember after ministering in Peru, um, first of all, let me, let me back up to, to show you the God in this particular situation. I was actually, Amy asked me to go to Peru. The, the pastors in Peru asked Amy, or Amy asked the pastors, is there anything that they could, she could bring with her when she went to Peru? Our church was going to Peru. And the pastors, not knowing me, said, uh, please have Pastor Kim come. And so Amy gets on the phone and she calls me, and she said, do you want to go to Peru? And I said, well, I can't afford to subsidize that right now, and, and if I could, did have the money, there are other things, priorities that I need to address at this point in time. She came back to me. It must have been three days later or less. Three is a good number. But the point is she came with back to me in a couple of days. It couldn't have been more than three days. This was like a Friday. She got back to me on a Monday. She said, everything has been taken care of. Will you come to Peru? Well, what do you do when somebody overcomes all of your objections? You go to Peru. So I went to Peru. We ministered, had a, a, a fant- uh, an amazing, amazing ministry. We spoke on love, and I tell you, the men were the first at the altar. And uh, they just kept coming in droves to receive prayer. I couldn't pray for everybody. So the pastor comes up to me and said, what are you saying? I said, just say this to the people. And so he had his team of people come say that. I, was, I told the team that was with me, some of them hadn't ministered before. I said, look, this is all the Lord gave me to say. This is what I'm saying. Just say this to the people. So we're all saying the same thing, and the same results are happening, not because I'm this genius or anything, but they're just saying what I had been saying, and because the Holy Spirit was with it and, and sanctioning it, the same results and the same benefits were happening throughout that place. Well, after all this is over, I'm on a high. You know, you after you minister, you're drained, but it's also kind of like a euphoria. So we go up into the pastor's office, and the pastor asked me, you know, said he wanted to minister to me, him and his wife. And, um, and I'm like, yes, yes. Um, and so Amy was sitting there because Amy translated, translates for me when I – go to Spanish-speaking places. And uh, so we were sitting there, and the pastor said to me, what are you struggling with? 
and he said, because I just feel like, you know, you, you get to this place, and then there's this struggle. He said, what are you struggling with? And I sat in my mind. First of all, I'm thinking my assistant is here. And now i got to just air all of the sins I ever committed and just go down the whole list of things I've ever done. And, oh, my God. But I didn't come that far. I didn't come that far not to receive what God had for me. So I didn't care if I had to air all of my dirty laundry. I was going to get the blessing that I came for, and that happened to be part of it. So I began to talk about sin. But before I could get complete my first sentence, the pastor said to me, I'm not interested in your sin. He says, Jesus dealt with your sin, and I believe that you are, have a, 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 you know, have displayed a godly sorrow. I'm not interested in your sin right now. I want to know what the struggle is that leads to the sin or that has, the, that has had the outcome called sin. So long story short, we begin to talk about some things, um, personal things, which I won't go into here, about struggle and just about relationships growing up and things like that. And uh, he prayed for me, and I I tell you, just something broke at that particular point. And there's a whole lot more to that testimony of what God did and the tangible outcome of that. But the point that I want you to get and grab hold of is some of you have struggled for years, and it has resulted in sin for which you have repented, you have cried, You have asked God to forgive you. You've displayed godly sorrow. Um, Listen, anybody has struggled with something, you know the struggle is real. And sometimes those pat scriptural answers just don't help you. Just another prophetic word won't help you. You You have struggled. And like I said, you've prayed, you've fasted, you've done all of these things, and yet you still struggle. And sometimes we just need a miracle. Sometimes you just need daddy to do something for you. Sometimes you need daddy to do something for you, and it's not predicated on you repenting. And so as we come into, into to Pentecost, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do some miracles for us collectively and for us individually. And I want to show you in Scripture, real scriptural examples, where God, where Jesus did miracles, and it was not predicated on repentance. I want to show it to you scripturally. And I'm talking about the struggles, the life-dominating, lifelong struggle, struggles that have, have, that have been to the demise of your relationship that has caused you just to have a disgust to your spouse or whatever the case may be. You've been around this, this, this for a while. You're tired of the dog and pony show. You're tired of the carrot on the, on, on, on the rabbit chasing the proverbial carrot on the wheel that you never catch up. You've had words, you've had people speak into your life, and this thing is just still a struggle for you. And so I want to prepare you 
for an individual miracle or a collective miracle. But I believe that on this day, that there are individual miracles that God will be handing out even as we celebrate Pentecost. And I believe that some of those miracles will change the trajectory of your life and of your most valuable relationships. And so, and so I want to share with you real scriptural examples. But first let me read this. In Matthew 11, it says this, verse 20. Then Jesus began to openly denounce the cities where he had done most of his mighty miracles because the people failed to turn away from sin and return to God. Let me stop there. It says Jesus denounced the cities where mighty miracles were done because after people experienced a miracle, they didn't turn away from sin. Notice the order. God performed a miracle the, the, the intention was the people would turn away from sin, turn toward God, but they failed to turn away from sin after the miracle was performed. I want to tell you that when God performs these miracles for us this weekend, Pentecost, I want to caution you, please don't return to sin, but return to God. Praise God, because verse 21 says this, how tragic it will be for the city of Chorazin, and how horrible for the city of Bethesda. For if the powerful miracles that I had performed in Chorazin and Bethesda had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have humbled themselves and repented and turned from their sins. Tyre and Sidon will be better off on the day of judgment than, you, than it will be for you. Verse 23, and Capernaum, do you really think you will be exalted because of the great miracles I have done there? No. You will be brought down to the depths of hell because your rejection of me, for, the, for if the miracles I worked in your streets were done in Sodom, it would still be standing today. But I tell you, it will be more bearable in the region of Sodom in the day of judgment. So again, I want to caution you, before I give you these other examples, I want to caution you, miracles are for the intention of turning our hearts to God and away from sin. So when God performs this miracle for you this weekend, please understand, it comes with the stipulation that you turn away from sin. Let me say it's not even a stipulation because God is going to do the miracle. There's no stipulation, and I'll tell you how to show up for it. There's no stipulation for the miracle, but the consequence of not turning away from sin and turning to God, which we call repentance, will be judgment. And that's critical because as God performs miracles and turns our heart to him, he's creating a holy people in this hour to do exploits in his name for the great awakening that's upon us. And so God wants to do these things for us. Daddy wants to do these things for us because he knows we have struggled. He knows we have repented. He knows we have fasted and prayed. He knows that we have fallen and we have gotten up, some of us, seven times. And God wants you to know that he wants to perform this miracle for you because he has need of you in this hour. And that means you'll have to turn more fully to him 
get more deeply pressed into him and turn away from your sin. So here are some examples, having cautioned you. Here are some examples I want you to see that what I'm telling you is scriptural. Repentance is not a precondition for the miracles that God wants to produce. Now listen, if there are areas in your life, other areas that God is calling you to repentance, I'm not saying this is not a time of repentance. I know that's how we're being told to prepare. This does not discount that. It runs parallel to that. Because the things that you are challenged with, the things that you have struggled with, the life-dominating sins that you have already repented for a hundred times, one more repentance is not going to end the struggle. But a miracle can end the struggle. So this is specifically for those life-dominating life struggles you have. It could be with pornography that affects your relationship. It could be with spending or money that affects your relationship. It could be with weight loss that affects the relationships of the people in your lives through your ability to do God's will. It could be abuse. You just have a bad mouth. You're just angry all of the time. It could be whatever you have struggled with for a long time, God wants to reset it for you now in the day of Pentecost. Wow, I don't know about you, but I used to think repentance always had to come first. And the reason things weren't happening, because I didn't repent hard enough, deep enough, wide enough, I didn't fast long enough, I didn't pray, and I didn't confess enough words. But I want to tell you that Jesus required none of that in the examples that I want to show you now. Luke 5, 12 through 14. And this is, uh, it said, this is a concerning a man in leprosy. You go back and read the whole thing. For sake of time, I want to read what is pertinent to what I'm talking about. It says, when Jesus was in this city, certain city, so he's in a certain city, a certain place, a man full of leprosy, upon seeing Jesus, fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus commanded him, tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So the miracle was Jesus is doing and the testimony that came from the man included him taking action by showing himself to the priest and making an offering to demonstrate what had been done in him through the Lord Jesus Christ, tying him, tying the miracle to the repentance. The miracle came first. The repentance came second. And I think the scripture reads that this man did not go and do as Jesus said, and which is the case with many of us. We, God does something amazing, and then we don't follow up with the appropriate actions so that our testimony is sure and steadfast in him, and it becomes less about what we've gone through and more about what he has brought us through. John 5, uh, John 5, 13 through 15. 
It says, now the man who was healed did not know who it was. This is the, this is the, uh, uh, this is the, um, the account of the man by the pool of Bethesda. And you know that he had been lying there many years. And when Jesus approached him, he said, every time the water gets stirred, people get in ahead of me. And, you know, basically, you know, I'm struggling, God. I'm trying, but I'm struggling. Every time it stirs, I see it stir. I see what I want. I, kn- I know how to get there, but I'm struggling to get there. And Jesus says, Now, in verse 13, now the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, and there was a crowd in place. And what Jesus said to him is, take up your bed and walk. And afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have become whole. Sin no more, lest something worse happens to you. So here's a man that was struggling knew he needed healing, knew he had a problem, knew he, could, he, he struggled to get to the pool. I'm sure that man prayed. I'm sure that man asked for help. I'm sure that man did everything in his human ability to get to that water when it stared. He struggled. And Jesus saw the struggle and circumvented the process by performing a miracle, then sees the guy in the temple and says, look, you're whole. Sin no more unless something happens to you. So what's the message here? You have received a miracle. Walk away from sin. Stay in the temple. He went to the right place. Stay in the temple. But it's not enough to be in the temple. He admonished him. Now that you're in the temple, you still have a responsibility. Don't sin anymore. See, what comes with the power of a miracle is the grace not to sin anymore. What comes with the miracle is the power and grace not to sin again. It doesn't mean you won't be tempted again, but when the miracle happens, now you have the grace not to yield to it, rather yield to God. I think James said it this way. He said, submit yourself to, he said, resist the devil, uh, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The resisting is in the submitting. So the man was in the right place. He was in the temple. He was submitting to the temple. And in that submitting to the temple, Jesus says, now that you're here, now that you've had a miracle, use the grace not to give into temptation, to sin no more. You can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you sure can stop it from building a nest in your heart. Let me give you another example, Luke 13. Now Jesus was 10 through 14. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. That sounds like a struggle to me. It sounds, look, if you've been struggling with something for 18 years, that's a struggle. If you've been struggling with pornography for 10 years, that's a struggle. You've been struggling with money for 20 years, that's a struggle. If you've been struggling with weight for years, that's a struggle. This woman was crippled for 18 years. She was struggling. She was bent over. Listen, she struggled so much that she was bent over and quite unable to stand upright. 
some of us have been struggling so long with things that we can't even stand up straight. We can't even hardly, hardly stand to hear another prophetic word. Why? Because the struggle hasn't ended for us. And so she was bent over, unable to stand up. When Jesus saw her, he called her over. Oh, my gosh. She didn't even have to get to him. He called her and said, woman, you are set free from your ailment. This was a struggle. Now, the Bible doesn't say, but when you struggle that long, trust me, at some point, one of the outcomes was sin. You don't struggle for years with something and it not ever result in a sin. And it said in verse 13, when he had laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. That is the point of a miracle, to turn our attention to God and begin to worship him and to praise him as an affront to the enemy, as a barrier, as a firewall to the enemy. So when God performs these miracles, the miracles aren't just so we can be happy and giddy. The miracles have a purpose and intention. They are intended to turn our hearts and our minds to God and away from sin. Miracles are designed to facilitate and make repentance easy and enduring. I don't know about you, but I want the repentance that's enduring. I want the repentance that results in fruit that remains. I don't want the repentance that, you know, for three or four months I'm flying right, and then before I know it, I fall down again. I want the repentance that re- produces fruit year after year, year after year, not because I'm trying to work a program, but because it's in me, the root of righteousness, the root of that thing, the root of him is in me, and it's producing fruit all by itself. Can you imagine with me your relationship, the ones that you covet the most and love the most? Can you imagine what your freedom from that struggle will mean to your spouse? OMG. Here's another example. Because I gave you all of the examples I've given you so far were physical miracles. But here's a heart miracle. Because I personally believe some of the greatest most enduring miracles that God, that Jesus did were ones that transformed the heart. And the reason why is the miracles that, perform, that are performed on the heart are eternal. They will last forever. But the miracles that are performed on the body are temporary. By that I mean the Bible says we're going to get a new body. So the one we have, the one that the miracle has been created on, which I want because it will enable us to live the best life we can for Jesus. But even still, these external miracles, the body, the soul, our servant, they're temporary. But the miracles performed in the heart, they are eternal. So in John 4:28, the woman at the well, and you know the story, but when Jesus had persuaded and performed the miracle in her heart, the Bible says it's all at once. The woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village to tell everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. 
He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Jesus performed a miracle in her heart, and she took action by going and telling other people, OMG, can you imagine? First of all, everything that Jesus does, everything that the Holy Spirit and God the Father, Daddy do, he, they work from the inside out. And so can you imagine this woman's heart being so changed? She had five. The Bible says Jesus said even the husbands you had, you had five husbands. The one you're with is not even your husband. OMG. Can you imagine when a miracle of seismic proportions is producing? This woman struggled. Please understand. The man she with was her husband. She struggled sexually with adultery. She struggled. Her struggle resulted in the sin of adultery. Her struggle may not have been uh, adultery. Adultery, we know, is a fruit. It is the outcome. So what was her real struggle? The Bible doesn't say, but could she have had some problems growing up that made her or just brought her to this place of being engaging in a sexually perverse lifestyle? Because we know adultery is the outcome. So the struggle and the sin are two different things. Oh, my gosh, if we would stop condemning people for the sin and try to understand what the struggle is, we can set some people free. That's why you need to become a relationship game changer, because you must set people free in this hour. People are tired just hearing good words. They want to set people free. And the good news is, the good news is this, you don't have to repent from a life struggle to experience the miracles that God wants to do for you on the day of Pentecost. I've given you four examples where, there, where repentance did not precede the miracle. If there are things other than, listen, let me help you. If there are things that everything, put, put the struggle, put a box around the struggle because we're dealing with that struggle differently. But if there are things that you just said or you're doing that you know, God, that you need to repent and God is inviting you to repent, go ahead and repent. I'm just talking about the struggle, people. I'm just talking about the thing that keeps you up, the thing that, that, that just bothers you. It frustrates you. It makes you angry with yourself. It makes your spouse angry with you. You don't like it. You don't want to be this way. That's what I'm talking about. Stop repenting. Receive the miracle. The foundation for that is in the examples that I showed you in which these people didn't repent to receive the miracle. Oh, my gosh. In the area that you struggle, you were an unbeliever. Because I know some will say this. Well, that, those people were probably unbelievers. And so now that as a believer, your responsibility is to repent. In the area that you struggle, you are an unbeliever. Let me say that again. In the area that you struggle, you are unbelieving. So God can treat you as an unbelieving person in the area that you struggle and perform a miracle for you without repentance in the area that you are unbelieving that you struggle. Oh, my God. I hope you guys are hearing this because Pentecost is upon us. And I don't know about you. But I'm expecting God 
to perform some miracles in my life. Let me just read Acts 2. I'm coming in for a landing, and we'll just pray. Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as a fire being distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Now in that scripture, they were all together. That is, many people were together in one place. But I want you to consider this. All together, one accord in one place. I believe that it can also mean that it is you, all of you, being in one place. That is, all of you in the same room. You're in the room with your struggle. You're in the room without hiding, without disguising it, without justifying it. You're in the room taking full ownership. God, this is my struggle. Just you naked in the room, no pretense, just you in the room for real, real, in the room with the struggle, desperate, destitute, telling God, I can't fix this. I give up and I give in to you. Do to me all that seems good to you. Only perform a miracle in my life today, even as we celebrate Pentecost. So being one means you don't have to hide anymore. It doesn't mean that you don't have to act one way around people. Or you, you, don't, you can show up. You can own the struggle. You can show up in the room, and God can perform a miracle that will impact the rest of your life in the area of struggle. That's my prayer. That's my desire for you as we approach Pentecost. Father, we come to you, Daddy, 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 Daddy. We come to you tonight destitute, unable to change ourselves, husbands and wives, married and unmarried, widowed, divorced, wanting to be married. And we come to you tonight, God, with our struggle in hand. Lord, we have struggled day and night. We have fallen into sin. We have fallen down. We have gotten up. We've applied your scripture. A righteous man falls seven times, but will rise again. God, we've done it, Lord. For years, God, we've struggled. For years, God, we've tried to get it right. For years, we've read your word. We've cried. We've confessed, Lord, to you. We've confessed it to another. We've done the programs, God. We've heard and received the prophetic words, God. And yet we struggle, God. And so, Lord, even as Pentecost approaches, God, even, Lord, as the Passover has come, and even as the Passover has delivered the children of Israel from Egypt and has delivered us from COVID, God, so now the Pentecost is upon us. Pour out your spirit, God, your miracle-working power. You told the disciples that they should wait till they receive power from on high, and then, Lord, they would become your witnesses in Jerusalem, God, and Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, God. We want this miracle-working power in the area of our struggle tonight, God. So we ask you, 
on this Pentecost, God. We lay it down. We give up trying to fix it, fix ourselves, trying to pretend that we've got it all under control. We don't, God. Lord, we give you our thoughts, God. Lord, we just give it to you tonight. And we ask, God, in the name of Jesus, and agree with your word, God, that you produce miracles and perform miracles in order that we would turn to you in order that we would let go and leave and turn away from sin, God. So, Father God, reveal yourself even to Pentecost, on Pentecost, God, and perform these miracles that we, like the woman with crippled 18 years, can praise you. Like we, with the woman with the issue, Lord, and the woman at the well, she went and told everybody, God, not what she had done, but what you had brought her through, oh, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the man that went to the temple, God. He showed up at the temple, God, and you declared that he was whole. And, Lord, that he didn't need to sin anymore, God. Lord, I thank you and I praise you today, God, for miracles, God. We'll proceed repentance. And that when we have received the miracle, God, let us be quick to repent by taking action that shows forth the newness of life, God. That, Lord, we worship you in spirit and in truth. That we go tell somebody what you did for us, God. That we receive the grace, Lord, to yield to you and not temptation, God. Lord, in Jesus' name, that as we submit to you, God, that our resisting is in the submitting, God. That our resisting is in, Lord, our praise and our worship. That our resisting is in our testimony, God. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we ask these things in your name according to your will. And you said if we ask anything in your name according to your will, and your word is your will, God, we present you cases tonight, God, of those that you have performed miracles who were struggling and unbelieving in some area of their life, God, and you performed the miracle, God. Honor your word in our own lives as you did then. For you said you were the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so we give you the praise and glory, and we count it done. And, Lord, I look to hear the testimonies that come from my own life and the life of your people, God. And that our relationships, our marriages would change, Lord. Even with we become the game changers, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, we bless you and we thank you that we plead the blood of Jesus over this word and over this prayer. That no weapon formed against it shall prosper, God. And every tongue that rises in judgment against it shall be condemned, God. We thank you today, God. We thank you today and we declare that we are more than conquerors through you who have created us. And we have your treasure, your Holy Spirit in us, earthen vessels, that you might show forth the glory of God, even in the area that we struggled. Now I bless you. Now give the people the courage, even in their testimony, God. Give them the bravery and the courage even to say what they struggled about, God. Not to dance around it. But, Lord, if they're truly delivered, God, Lord, I thank you and I praise you that you would give them voice and the ability to declare, God, what they have been set free, the struggle they have been set free from that the world might know that you're God and they are your people and you still perform miracles. 
in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amy, did I miss anything? Did you want to jump in? Oh, no, you did not miss anything taking that in. That was a great word. Thank you. All right. Okay. Well, well, well I think I was speaking to myself today and uh, just let you guys listen into a conversation Daddy was having with me. <laughs> so somebody's got to go first, right? So be courageous. Look forward to Pentecost. Struggle in hand. Take your struggle in hand. Look daddy in the eye and expect a miracle in the area of your struggle. It's part of the divine reset. God doing for you what you can't do for yourself. He's pulling us through, people. And I believe the best is yet to come in your life. I hope you believe that too. And... um As always, you can hear the replay or share this by going to Spotify in the search engine. Just put marriage reform with Kim Moore, and this is reference number 102. If you want to hear it by free conference call, then certainly you can dial 605-475-4980. The access code is 341-000-POUND. And the reference code is 102 pound. Again, if this blessed you, if this, if you got something out of this, please share it. Share it. That's how we support the word and distribute the word that we receive. Share it. You can share it on social media. You can share it with your friends. Give them the replay. Give them Spotify. But share it. You can also advance this word by sharing your comments on my Facebook page, Kim Moore, under the video, or you can share them on Kim Moore Ministries, the Facebook page, either one. Also, if you want to become a relationship game changer and take the journey with us, please email me and let me know. Stay tuned. We're going to be talking about it uh, each week until it just until the launch. And so um, stay tuned for that. If you want to be part of taking marriage reform, this message, kingdom marriage to the nation, uh, and the, 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 the states in this nation, U.S. territories, please email me. Listen, it's, not, it's about showing up. We have the resources and the support to be able to do it. And by us being able to do it through Zoom, uh, like I said, nothing was lost in the translation. We felt close to the people on the ground. It was powerful. Uh, it, It just was amazing. And it also helps us to manage cost. I mean, can you imagine going to 50 states and U.S. territories and the cost? So we are greatly reducing the cost and making the most of those that donate to this, uh, to this assignment. And so we are good stewards of, that, uh, of those donations as we incorporate technology. And if you do donate, we really appreciate it. Can't do it without you. We love you. And uh, thanks so much for all you guys do. Well, we'll be on the call next week. And um, I guess we'll, we'll talk then. God bless you.